BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. I am back with, honestly, Rich, just the highlight of my week. We're sitting down. We're hanging out. We got our coffees poured. We've watched Thursday Night Football. The games have started. And uh, every Friday morning for the remainder of the NFL season, you and I are going to pick five games against the spread, super contest style, and uh, yeah, man, we're here. Everyone is, is, you know, dropping sky more and, uh, you know, watching Jameer the sky Gibbs is highlights. Literally falling. The sky is literally falling. I mean, honestly, whatever you want to do with sky more, my, my, my friends of this show, do whatever you want, man. You want to hold him fine. You want to rage drop him. I mean, I've seen dumber things happen in fantasy football. Uh, the sky is not falling in Kansas city. I don't think, but uh, that was a brutal loss. Not going for it on a couple of those fourth quarter, fourth downs was just was really brutal. Yeah. I mean, uh, me and my son were going crazy when the chiefs didn't, uh, when they kicked that second field goal to go up six, it was just like, why, the why? Worst. Like, yeah, the, the worst. If you go up 17, 14, it's fine. But to go up 20 to 14 with what was it like eight minutes to go? It's just like, go, go, go up 10, man, make it a two score game. If they stop you, they have to go 70 yards. Uh, who cares? Uh, that was literally that was, who cares. Yeah. That was Madden one one man. Uh, but no, it's fun. Yeah. I'm glad that we're back. Well, one, I don't think I've ever podcasted with another human more than I have you. Uh, and dude, for whatever it is, uh, people love this show. Uh, like it's it's interesting. Like you know, you and I are not like some like uh, you know book sharks, right? Like we're not some right. touts. Uh, they just love to hear us pick these games and kind of riff uh, every week. So I get asked about this show probably more than any other show. Like, is this show coming back? Like, I hope the Friday show is coming back. Uh, and we're here. We're back again. We're back. We're picking games. We are we are vibing pretty actually appetizing. So, I mean, I guess it's because there's no bye weeks yet or anything. So there's just not. And, and you know, we have the uh, the unspoiled promise of the NFL season, right? These teams have, I mean, we we did, we got our mm-hmm. first disappointments last night, right? Chiefs wide receivers stink. Jameer Gibbs plays 19 snaps. But these other remaining teams haven't disappointed us yet. So we are going to start picking games. Rich. Your number five, your fifth favorite pick this week is Hoomst. Uh, my number five is the Cowboys. Uh, I don't know if you get the Cowboys on yours, but you know I've got the Cowboys at five, only out of respect because of like the old Vegas heads. Like you know they love betting short divisional dogs early in the season. So out of respect for those, uh, you know the the, the the old curmudgeons that are just going to bet certain spots, uh, I will respect it. But man. I just believe the Cowboys are so much better than the Giants. And I think the Giants will be a better team than they were last year, but they're due uh, almost as much like regression as like the people always talk about the Vikings, right? Like the Vikings are this big regression team because of what happened. The the Giants luck box into so many W's last year. I mean, so many, 
they they led for just 25% of their offensive snaps last year. It was 22nd in the league. It was the lowest rate of any team that made the playoffs, even the Vikings. Um, and then just when you look at this matchup from like a stance of where the Cowboys strength is, I mean, this defense is so good. And when you look at even Daniel Jones making that step forward last year, he was still really bad against any defenses that were like really good at punch up. All his good games came against these teams like the Jaguars, the Colts, the Lions, the Bears, the Vikings, the Commanders. But when he faced the Cowboys, the Cowboys pressured him on 54% of his dropbacks. Think about that. That's an absurd number. It's over one of every two. They just put pressure on him. Uh, and he would—he it was the highest rate of pressure Daniel Jones faced against any team last year. He was 14 of 32 passing under pressure against the Cowboys. He took eight sacks. Uh, this cow, The Cowboys defense is, is gnarly. Not only are they still able to get after the, the, the quarterback, they add Stephon Gilmore on the back end to go with Trayvon Diggs. Um, I think people are, are selling the Cowboys a little bit short. I've seen some people recommend that they're overvalued. I actually think they're a little undervalued. Also, the Giants are going to be starting two rookie cornerbacks in this game. Uh, and we know Wink Martindale loves to play man coverage. Like he's going to put these guys to the test early in the season. I know they came with largely relative high draft capital, but Brandon Cooks is a lot better than what the Cowboys put out at wide receiver two last year. There's going to be opportunity to make plays. Dak was really good and in the one game last year uh, when the Giants did blitz uh, and when they played man coverage, he threw for 10.2 yards or pass attempt when the Giants went to man coverage. So I- I'm long on the Cowboys. I'm short on the Giants. I bet they're under while well, initially when it came out. So I'm just going to kind of swerve into that. That's kind of my theme this week because I do have a lot of favorites this week, but it's teams that I am playing the long game on in terms of their win totals versus teams I'm playing the short game on. I mean, it's always good. It's good to have your priors, right? Uh, like, I, I mean, that's kind of what we're leaning on early in the season. We are, uh, and this is an opportunity to back the priors. This is an opportunity to test the priors. Obviously, we uh, we retain the ability to be Bayesian as much as possible. We can we can change our minds. I've been, I have vacillated back and forth on the Cowboys all off season of being like Brian Schottenheimer, Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy. They they fired Kellen Moore. Like they don't have any idea what they're doing. But then you look a little like what you just said, you look a little bit closer at the personnel and you're like, this is probably the best three wide receiver group they've had since the year the Gallup was healthy and they had Amari and CB. Mm-hmm. Ferguson is like a, you know, a fine tight end, but I mean, a huge part of this, and I can't even believe I'm saying this is that uh, they, they don't have Zeke on the team anymore. Yeah. I mean, they, the, not having Zeke on the team just removes a bunch, like not even saying that Pollard is like the, uh, the straw that stirs the drink. Although in my heart of hearts, I do kind of believe that, but it's more that you just remove a bunch of those negative plays that the coaching staff felt like they had to call for whatever reason. So that's ultimately, I ended up being pretty positive on the Cowboys offense. This one is uh, this, this is not on my list. My number five is a road dog. The Miami Dolphins traveling to play against the Los Angeles Chargers. The uh, the big DFS game of the week. I've got I've got the Dolphins plus three. Last year on four hundred and fifty seven plays when Tua was available, he was second in the NFL in EPA plus completion percentage over expected composite. He was better than Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, uh, you know, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, all these guys in both adjusted and non-adjusted EPA per play. You know, I I think that uh, I do think the Chargers hiring Kellen Moore is going to end up being a huge positive for them at the end of the day. I do think that, you know, everything they had going on offense, building the entire offense out of these checkdowns, 
you know, all that stuff. But the key to really unlocking their offense is going to be playing Quentin Johnston over Josh Palmer. I don't think that'll be there week one. And I honestly, the, the time you want to buy on the Dolphins is when you know for sure Tua is going to be healthy, right? I mean, a lot of the market's reservations, I think we're justified about the Dolphins, you know, being like Tua is literally one hit away from like not playing anymore. And that's not true for most NFL quarterbacks. So I have the Dolphins plus three in this spot. I I mean, there are probably lots of reasons to be afraid of the Chargers defense, but I I'm like a Mike McDaniel guy. I I am I've I've been above market on Tua his entire NFL career. And I mean, we did see last night both with the Lions and the Chiefs offense just having sick wide receivers makes it a lot easier to move the ball on offense. Yeah, this is this is the most exciting game of the weekend for me, not because of the game total, but because of like some of the questions coming into the season kind of around these teams. You know, what what real changes do we have from the Chargers offense? You know, getting rid of Joe Lombardi, moving on to Kellen Moore. How much does Quentin Johnston, you know, get into the rotation early in the season? And then if you go back to a year ago, I mean, Mike McDaniel was dog walked in this game, like absolutely dog walked. Yeah, uh, Tua was just 10 of 28 passing in that game. The Chargers and Brandon Staley completely took away the middle of the field, which was kind of the bread and butter of this offense. Tua was just six of 14 passing in the middle of the field. They shut that down uh, as a byproduct. Tua had his highest air yards of the season because he just tried to force the ball downfield. And the Dolphins were number one in the NFL in EPA per play throwing over the middle field. But they were 20th throwing outside the numbers. And in that game, 29% of Tua's pass attempts summed up as deep targets. It was his highest rate in the game. He ended up just one of eight passing on throws 20 or yards or further downfield. He was three of 14 on throws 10 yards or further down the field. And I'm really curious to see now what's the calibration, right? Because Mike McDaniel is one of these guys like, hey, if you're in want to be in the, that caliber of the conversation of the, your predecessors and the guys you've worked with, the Shanahan's and McVay's, we want to see how you counter punch, right? When someone when someone bloodied your nose, what's your counter now? And I'm really excited. This is the week one game and we get to see what he did. Also, the Dolphins, when you look at like all the two splits, they all came against garbage teams like all garbage teams. And now they have the 31st ranked passing schedule this year. So I'm really excited to see like what Mike McDaniel has in his bag this year uh, against the harder schedule. And it's specifically against a team that completely just bloodied them up last year. Damn. You bodied me. You bodied me, Reeves. No, I mean, I think it's fun because I listen, I'm like you, I believe in Mike McDaniel. Like he's arguably my favorite head coach. And if you listen to the play callers podcast, the Jordan Rodriguez series, didn't have enough Mike McDaniel. Anytime he was on it, he was saying stuff that like I fully believe in, right? Like where he was, right. he, he wasn't, he was like humbly saying like, it's not about the play caller, right? Like it's, he's like, you know, I've called plenty of bad plays and it being great plays on the field and, and plays I thought like I was, you know, calling the annexation of Puerto Rico and like it ended up being a garbage trash play call. Like he was, he was a breath of fresh air, right? Like, cause you don't hear coaches talk about like that stuff. Cause they think that they're the most important people in the world. And I really love that approach from Mike McDaniel and I fully support him. I'm just excited to see, like I said, to see all these things in motion. Uh, this one, I'm not going to touch, but I'm going to fully enjoy as, as an observer here. Yeah. I, I mean, really it just comes into, I historically have been short on Justin Herbert long onto a short on the chargers long on the dolphins. And so I'm keeping those positions. All right. Your number four is which team? Uh, my number four is the Jaguars. Uh, one of the big common themes. This, I'm is, gonna have this is, is my three. Yeah. One of the big common themes I'm gonna have is betting against, you know, rookie quarterbacks in week one. 
since uh, 2010, rookie quarterbacks are 6-15-1 and one straight up. Uh, they are a little bit better against the spread. Uh, we're going to get to another rookie quarterback eventually. I don't have uh, the Texans on my list, but I have done, uh, you know, money line parlays against all the rookie quarterbacks um, just because that one's 10 points. And I didn't, it just didn't make the cut from a base point perspective. But I definitely think there's a lot of pros where you can tease that game or get the Ravens definitely involved in, in money lines. Uh, but I look at Anthony Richardson, there's just going to be a lot of growing pains to Anthony Richardson, as exciting as it is. And he could be a guy that maybe is just a wild card and buries me here. But I think the Jaguars are definitely an ascending team. And the Colts are a team this year that are trying to just set the foundation for what they're going to be doing in the future. Um, so really, it is just a thing where I'm going to take, you know, Trevor Lawrence. And one of the weird things that about the Colts is them uh, with Shane bringing Shane Steichen in is they kept Gus Bradley on the on the on the team to run the defense maybe he just didn't want to deal with it year one he wants to delegate but I mean this Colts defense just wasn't very good last year uh and you know Gus Bradley's one of these guys that goes against the current defensive meta where it's like playing too high and all stuff like he, he's still running he's out here running his cover three his single high stuff um so I mean I just look at Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence do seven incompletions in two games against the Colts last year <laughs> Uh, I just think that adding Calvin Ridley, like the, it's just, they're just going to score too many points. And I think the Colts could score some touchdowns here eventually, like with Anthony Richardson, like playing above his head. But I think the Jaguars just score too many points in this game. Yeah. I mean, that was my, so my thesis was one ascending Jaguars offense. This is like totally there. This is, it, it's their division for the taking, um, Betting against the rookie quarterbacks, I mean, I think going against all of the rookie quarterbacks this week seems fine. Um, I actually have. My my next pick is going to be the Falcons at four. But, be mine too? Yeah. So the Jaguars are also starting like a bunch of just like I, – I was talking to Jacob Sanderson yesterday, and he was – he had a game uh, – starting Colts secondary members or uh, 80s hair metal band guys because it's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of anonymous dudes you know uh Dallas Flowers and Daryl Baker Jr. and Julian just like a bunch of career backups and it's actually like a good you know super good spot for the Jaguars who added all this talent on both sides of the ball like it it, it is just your spot of like Anthony Richardson's gonna come out and go 16 for 31 and like he'll have a couple good plays like i think we're all going to be playing anthony richardson on DraftKings, and he'll probably run for 80 yards and a touchdown like it'll honestly be like what you've been saying pretty similar to rookie year lamar we're like playing with the lead i think he'll be totally fine um i don't think he's gonna like really struggle with turnovers or sacks or anything like that the way that fields did when he was younger because richardson plays a little bit more uh inside of himself but you know even young jalen hurts like when the Eagles got down 10 points, that was it. It was over. There yep. was nothing. There was just nothing he could do. And I think that's going to kind of be what we see. And actually the fact that the Colts played so fast in the preseason is going to be a little bit of a problem because if you play fast with an ineffective offense, that means really fast three and outs. Yeah. And that provides the ability for the Jaguars to build up a lead. So I'm, I'm totally with you on this one. I think that's basically the the experience. I will get a little DFS talk maybe at the end here, but yeah, I mean, in, in, in the guys the Colts have on offense, you know, with no Jonathan Taylor and still like trying to figure out what Michael Pittman is, right? Like, I think there's still a contingency, like it's still out. Like there's a chicken and egg factor of like, has Michael Pittman been doomed by his surroundings or like, does he play a role in this, right? Like he's gotten kind of a hall pass, but like, is Michael Pittman the kind of like true NFL alpha? I'm, I question it. He is. 
I I question it as well. I mean, I think he is quite good, but not right. You know, he's just not that elite tier. He is uh like a tier below the Metcalf tier for me. So probably like the third tier of like really good wide receivers. So that that seems about right. All right, my number four is the Atlanta Falcons. So first step here is that Arthur Smith, as much as we hate him, and we do hate him as uh, as fantasy football managers, I do think he is a pretty good coach at extracting maximum value out of like pretty average teams. Like the 2022 Falcons were about as average of a team as you get. But the the Falcons, you know, beat their they beat all their projections. They would they were like a great covering team. I feel like you took them a bunch actually last year because they got pretty good at covering. They had some of the worst quarterback play in the NFL. But for example, they had the same yards per play on offense as the Dallas Cowboys. They only threw 17 passing touchdowns, but they averaged almost five yards per carry as a team. They, to me, I think even if Ritter is shitty, he's probably an upgrade on Marcus Mariota, honestly, with how bad Mariota played last year. You've got London. Theoretically, you have Kyle Pitts. I mean, we'll see. Theoretically, theoretically, <laughs> theoretically Kyle Pitts exists. You know, and Bijan as a running back in the passing game, like whatever targets go to Bijan will be an improvement on the Damian Williams, Caleb Huntley, Avery Williams targets that were happening in the passing game last year. And it is a rookie quarterback starting his first game. And honestly, I just want to be so short the Panthers. Like, not only does their passing game absolutely stink, but these guys are banged up. Like, a three-wide receiver rotation of Adam Thielen, DJ Shark, and Jonathan Mingo is not set up for success for your rookie quarterback to begin with. But when Thielen and Shark might be either not playing or playing with injuries, I don't really know what they expect to have happen. And I'm not really a huge Frank Reich guy either. Like, I think he's fine. But I would say I actually anticipate Arthur Smith to be a bet like more valuable to a point spread over the long term than Frank Reich. Yeah, I mean this one. This was my next game too, so that it, uh, it's it correlates well with what we've got going on here. I mean, so first the rookie quarterback thing. Number one overall draft pick since 2010. 08 and one in their first career start. 05 and one in week one. Uh, one cover in those games. That's it. Uh, the Falcons, like we've designated the the team of sharp football analysis again this year because myself, Warren, and Ray were all kind of on them. Uh, they played the number one schedule in terms of games that were within one score last year. Like this was a, a better team that people, you know, last year uh, than people realized. And their schedule's easier this year. Uh, and the team is a little bit better overall, uh, especially defensively. Some of the guys they brought in, you know, veterans, uh, you know, getting Jesse Bates, getting Clays Campbell. Like these are guys that are not going to like, then it's not like adding a Michael Parsons to the roster, but just guys are going to make the defense a little bit more uh, better than it was a year ago. And this is a team that like, even if you don't like Ritter and I don't, I was, I was short on him in college. I don't think anything in the four game sample he played last year was good. He's kind of the one thing that could topple this, the, the, the betting the wins over this year. But uh, he's another guy like you just described the interest of, like if they can play with the lead, they they're gonna be fine. Like they're just gonna put him in a good spot. And this is a game where they totally can play the lead at home uh, against Bryce Young making his first start. No weaponry like at all to speak of. If if the Panthers are down like you know ten points in like the first half of this game, like it's probably they're probably just gonna get suffocated. Digging digging deep in his bag to throw crossers to Hayden Hurst. I mean, I do I do think I do think there will be like two moments every game where Bryce Young like makes some sick throw 
where you're like, oh yeah, I mean, he's, he's got, he's got the sauce or whatever, but yeah, I, I just, they didn't set him up for success. I mean, this is, this is just putting it, this is just totally throwing a guy to the wolf. They got Miles Sanders. Yeah, dude. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it is going to be bad. I, I feel, I, I just am not, that's been one of my positions all off season that I think the Panthers are really going to struggle. And honestly, sort of like, against my own will being in on the Atlanta Falcons because I want to punish I want to punish Arthur Smith for playing a style of football that I don't like but <laughs> they have a lot of talented players I mean uh Bijan Robinson Kyle Pitts and Drake London I mean imagine the Kansas City Chiefs with those three players like actually imagine it it'd be unbelievable they would score so many fucking points certainly wouldn't have lost also we you, to the Lions. everyone last night watching that Chiefs game that's something you and I have talked about for years about you know Brett Veach's like inability to add talent outside of Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Like we had always talked about, like, hey man, Kelsey's never missed a game. Eventually he's gonna miss a game, and like all these Jamokes are gonna have to do something. And guess what? The Jamokes did nothing. I mean, <laughs> honestly, honest to God, the, we've the talked post- about this though from a team building perspective. Like they've been they've been unable to like get any type of offensive talent at running back and wide receiver. He's been good at adding, finding defensive guys like he's like uh, like McDuffie and uh, uh, Jalen Jalen Watson. So like he's hit on some of those guys, but I guess really the only guy in the the post Tyreek like the only guy he's added who's even been a semi hit is Ben Valdez Scantling. Like MVS like stinks, but at least he can do his job competently. But like everyone else, I mean. He, they've added nothing. Everyone, everyone they've added or traded for or drafted has been subpar. Has been like a negative EPA player. I mean, even fucking Hardman. I would have taken Hardman out there last night. Like, oh, I can't. It's just too. It's so fucking frustrating. All right. Uh, so we have our number two and our number one left. What is your number two? My two is the Seahawks. Same. Uh, also, my number two. Yeah, it's another one like I mean, I to this one like looking at it on the surface like seems obvious, but I will say at least being embedded is like the both both games the Rams played against the Seahawks last year. They didn't have Matthew Stafford or Cooper Cup in either of those. They did kind of hang around the Seahawks, so there is some. Concern, these games but- are always rock fights, so I'm not I'm not expecting it to be easy because these games are always bizarre. But the one thing I keep going back to though is what the Rams did on defense this offseason. Because those Rams teams last year still had Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, and Leonard Floyd. Outside of Aaron Donald, the Rams do not have another defensive player on the roster that was drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. They they have just two other starters that were drafted in the opening three rounds of the NFL they draft. Have, they have three times as much dead money to defensive players as they are paying defensive players on their roster this season. I saw that the other day. So I can't just keep going back that like I want to target this Rams defense early. Maybe there's a thing where they they are better than we think and they get some more out of these guys defensively. But I just feel like this defense is too young and too inexperienced to really slow anyone down. And I think it really swerves into this matchup too, specifically for DFS and everything that just for Gino to cook them, man. Like, cause, cause we got Kenneth Walker dealing with this groin injury and people forget, like, this wasn't like your Pete Carroll Seahawks of yesteryear last year, they were 11th in drop back rate. And they add Jackson Smith and Jigboo's going to play in this game. Like, I feel like the Seahawks are going to kind of just expose the secondary. Uh, like who is guarding any, who is guarding these three wide receivers? 
Like, who are the players that are going to check these guys? I so... mean, the only the only thing that I think that can stop the Seahawks from being the offense that they were last year with the addition of Smith and Jigba and justifying Metcalf Lockett and JSN's draft slot, it's it's Geno. I mean, he's really the only guy who can defeat his own team because if he turns back into a pumpkin, you know, Geno played really well for the first eight games last year. There was a pretty significant drop off in his efficiency in the second half of the season, but he kept the raw numbers ended up being all right, especially for Lockett and Metcalf. But, you know, I mean, Geno has a long track record of, of sort of being inconsistent. I, I was a Geno right. believer going all the way back to his time at West Virginia. I, I remember being like absolutely shocked that he fell to the second round of the NFL draft. Like I remember him sitting there in the green room with his yellow sweater. And he was just all alone. It was really sad, but I like Geno. Obviously he does have the ability to own himself here, but I mean, last night we saw the Kansas city chiefs playing with no wide receivers, three wide receivers set for the Rams on Sunday is going to be Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua, and Van Jefferson with Demarcus Robinson and Ben Skronik rotating in. Uh, you know, it's like a shitty offensive line with a running back who has been threatened to be waived multiple times in his short career. They said they said they were going to trade. They made him a healthy scratch one game last year to start Ronnie Rivers at running back. Uh, you know, Tyler Higby, like one of the least efficient tight ends in the NFL. I I I just don't. I would actually be more surprised to lose this one than my number one, but my number one, obviously the team uh, I like better. Just from a team level, I think they're way better. But yeah, the uh, the Rams stink. The Rams are the Rams are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL on offense when Cooper Cup is not available. They they're just bad. Yeah, I mean that's just the short of it. Uh, I hate taking so many favorites in Week One just because we don't know. But I mean, like right. I said, I just want to take the the teams I believe that are good versus the teams that I believe are bad. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, number one. I, I'm curious. To see, I think we have the same one, but it's hard. Who, who knows? We're early on in the season. We're still finding our form. Right. I, I mean, I, I'm taking the Commanders. I'm taking everything against. Oh, the Cardinals mine, I can. mine is the mine is the Eagles. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm taking everything against the Commander or the Cardinals early on. Like, dude, this they they hired a Chat GPT for a head coach. Like, they're not even trying. They they they're gonna start Joshua Dobbs, a dude they signed two weeks ago. Um, there's a complete mismatch in the, in the defensive trench too. Like the, the Washington's defense is actually solid and their defensive front is actually really good. They're going to, they're in a mall. They're going to mall them, dude. Like I can't, I, there's this, this is way too short. Like this should be the highest spread of the week. And I know the Ravens are the Texans, but like, I, um, I feel like this is a doll. Remember two years, two or three years ago, right? It was the Fitzpatrick year when the dolphins were trash and we were like just betting against the dolphins during the year. Cause they couldn't set the lines low enough. I feel like we have a situation like that early in the season with the Cardinals. Like, I feel like they're like Vegas is going to just be trying to catch up. Like they're going to like, I feel like the Cardinals are going to be double digit dogs like every week moving forward until Kyler comes back and shit. Maybe when he does come back. So my only rebuttal would be that I have seen a lot of these spots in the NFL and they go one of two ways where one, everyone is correct and the Cardinals are absolute dog shit. They get ran out of the building, and the cover is not even in doubt. I mean, we're talking like the commanders have like 24 points at halftime. Josh Dobbs has eaten three sacks and thrown two picks, and like, you know, Clayton Toon is in there in the second half. Or it goes the complete other way 
where everyone plays the commander's defense on DraftKings. I mean, we're looking at maybe the chalkiest defense play of all time on DraftKings this weekend. And, uh, you know, Gibson fumbles in the first quarter. The Cardinals get like a, you know, a fumble six or whatever. And I also, Ron Rivera is like one of my absolute nemeses in betting. I like have never gotten Ron Rivera teams, right? I like the commanders, even back when they were the football team, I bet against Heineke a ton last year and was just eating it and eating it and eating it. So I, I just, to, to me, this one was I'm not touching it. Obviously, I don't disagree with you. I'm not coming in here saying I'm taking the Cardinals plus seven. No way, no how. I just was, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't touch it. But obviously, obviously you are correct. And I probably will end up uh, like in, I obviously everyone's taking the commanders in Survivor this week. And uh, I'm in, uh, I'm in a, a picks pool. Where Let me ask you, you this. Go ahead. I'm in, so my Survivor, my big one that I do is actually, it's pick a loser. You can't use the team twice. So, so I don't know if I want to burn the Cardinals yet. No, no, no. You do not want to burn the Cardinals. So really, um, I have two spots in it, but yeah. And I was like, man, I think I'm going to save the Cardinals. Cause like for like, obviously they just play someone better or something. You you saved in, in, I, in my opinion, in that format, you save the Cardinals for when the bye weeks start and the options get thinner. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Good. But I do like that format a little bit more because people are just like in Survivor, like people are just going to pick against the Cardinals every week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I can only use the Cardinals once. So. Yeah, that is, I, I actually like that better. I've never even thought of Survivor that way, but I like that far better. Yeah, that, I think that... it's I think it's way more challenging and more fun because it forces you to pick some. And then when you get into the middle of the season, when teams are like left over, because you will have upsets in the year, but then you got to make hard choices. I made it all the way last year, uh, like to the end of the season. I remember having, I only had like the Chiefs and like three other teams left and I had to make like a hard choice and lost. I was like, damn it. Yeah, that's but that's sick. It gets tilting though. But then it's fun too the other way because you're cheering for like some of these bad teams to like pull one out. But right. You're like, <laughs> like, like you're sitting there watching like a Vikings overtime game being like, I can't believe they keep getting away with this. You know, like it's, yeah, it's so funny. All right, my number one, I Reeves, I am shocked this is not on your list. This is like everything that we believe in. The Philadelphia Eagles are four point favorites right now against the uh against the philadelphia or against the new england patriots i mean there couldn't there maybe is not a bigger division in class between what the the eagles are and what the patriots are like the patriots are the slowest team in the nfl the only fast guy they have on their roster is taekwon thornton and he is on the ir uh i mean like ramondre totally fine for fantasy where he was going whatever i don't think zeke is gonna really eat into him you know, I did sort of at the beginning of the offseason buy into the, okay, well, they actually have an offensive coordinator now uh, in Bill O'Brien, and they don't have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, like, handling play-calling duties. But this is just a – I don't even care that it's at home. The, the Eagles last year were the second-best offense in the NFL in total yards, second-best offense in total points. They were a little bit lower in yards per play simply because they ran a lot more. But the Patriots are – bottom half of the league in every offensive metric. I mean, I'm sure their defense is going to be fine because Bill Belichick defenses are always fine, but the Eagles are just better at every facet of the game. And I even think that includes coaching. I mean, I know that's kind of sacrilege to say that about Belichick now, but Belichick has kind of lost the edges 
on the fourth down. So things because other teams started grinding them. And I would say probably the Eagles are number one. I mean, Andy showed us last night. He didn't really have the courage to go for it on a couple fourth downs where he absolutely had to. So I would say Nick Sirianni and the Eagles are probably number one at the NFL and gaining those expected point edges. I, I don't think four points is enough. I think the Eagles are way better. I, I am a total Jalen Hurts believer. I, I feel super good about this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how Belichick, you know, calls this game, you know, because they this is a team that plays a lot of man coverage. They play aggressively and like that's just going to walk right into the, the Eagles game plan. Uh, what they do, you know, Jalen Hurts led the NFL in yards for past him against man coverage last year. AJ Brown went nuclear against man coverage. So I'm curious to see how they defend him. Obviously, they've got, you know, a rookie cornerback too. We'll see how much Christian Gonzalez plays. Obviously, they don't want to put him on an island with a grown ass man that's got that dog in him. Uh, but yeah, this, I mean, it, this was just process elimination, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm betting against these rookie quarterbacks. I don't have any problem with it. Uh, I'm excited to see, I'm hoping to see more of like the Eagles getting pushed this year so we can see more of the full run out because For they sure. showed us last year, they wanted to be aggressive and they just, the fact that they dog walk so many teams, they never had to be like, <laughs> so I, I think they want to drop back and let Jalen hurts cook. Uh, hopefully Mac Jones can score some points in this one, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on this one. Uh, I'm, I don't know what we're going to get out of the Patriots, right? Like they're definitely going to have regression to the mean hiring. We're, we're going to learn a ton about them. Like if I'm wrong on this one and the Patriots hang with them and they're able to score, like, I, let's even just say 24 points against the Eagles defense. I'm going to be like, that's pretty interesting, especially with like Hunter Henry and Gasicki. Uh, you know, like, and, and the Eagles have a bunch of new starters on defense. I mean, I would love for the Eagles defense to be bad, actually, like for the Eagles to have to score 35 every game would just like be pretty well, actually, I'm kind of light on Hertz compared to Mahomes and Allen. So maybe it wouldn't be that good for me. But I do think the Eagles defense being bad would be good for all of us in fantasy football and DFS, because it just means the Eagles are going to have more games where they have to score points. Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious to see what the like what kind of ceiling guys we have for the Patriots, right? Because it's just like it's it's so uninspiring, like to to say like we're hoping Mike Mike Gusecki and Hunter Henry and Juju Smith Schuster like contribute. It's like where is the juice? Their their eleven personnel has got to be the slowest group of eleven personnel in the league. Hunter Henry, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, who's even who would be the other outside wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, as is Taekwon still, or I can play Kendrick Bourne, I think will Kendrick be three. Kendrick Bourne, yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. But it's just so uninspiring from a ceiling perspective, right? Like, it's just like, you have to call such a, like, because you go back to rookie year, Mac Jones, and they were an efficient offense in terms of scoring, but, like, it was, like, really volatile. Like, they I think they had two games where they scored 50 points that year and, like, kind of, like, warped some of their stuff, and then the next week it'd be, because just because you have to call such a a, a perfect game plan and you're relying on the efficiency of the game plan to carry the talent, right? Instead of vice versa. Like you want your talent to dictate the game plan, right? You just want your talent to take over. Uh, and the Patriots don't have very much talent. And it's that's where it's like really kind of hard to get past. Like even getting Bill O'Brien and having an offensive coordinator this year, like who are the players? Who are the players? And they just don't have the players. They just do not have the players. And the Eagles have all of the players. I mean, at every position, you're like, the Eagles have this dude, this dude, this dude. Like, they have all the players. Like, that. that's their deal, you know? So, it really is and just And it's how he's MO. I mean, even when, like, people are he just wants to add good players to the team, right? Like, they just, like, are, are perceived talent. That's why he got Albert O. Dude, 
Howie, Howie is just caught. He's just playing it. Like he's in a, a $10 dynasty league, man. He's like Deandre Swift. Sure. Alberto. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I actually am going to be, I mean, this is so inside baseball, but I'm going to be super interested to see if Alberto plays, uh, if he plays any snaps ahead of Jack Stoll or Grant Calcaterra, or if Calcaterra is even inactive. I mean, that would be fun. Oh God. Albert O is the Dallas Goddard handcuff. I mean, I, I got some dynasty leagues where I still got Albert on there. I mean, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to blow out that candle quite yet. He can um, play, man. Anytime he actually gets to play, he can he's play. good. When he gets started, I mean, he was, I think he was the tight end seven last year in week 17, which is like really hilarious. Levitan, Levitan won the three, 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 I believe on draft games yes. with Alberto's points. I mean, it's like, it's like, he's good, man. Yeah, and uh, the preseason he cooked when they got to play. Like, yeah. He had a hundred yards in the preseason. How many, how many guys, how many guys is getting making uh, out here, making one handed catches from with Jared Stidham. Yeah. Uh, he is, he's legit. All right. DFS takes. Uh, I got a couple flag planning Bijan Robinson uh, against the aforementioned Carolina Panthers. I think we can see, I think we basically see the opposite of what we saw with Jameer Gibbs in game one, where Algier is in sort of the standalone grinder type work, but Bijan is actually getting trusted immediately as a rookie. I think it's basically like, I think it completely flip flops and uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars with Kirk, Zay Jones, ETN, Evan Ingram, because uh, Ridley looks like he's going to be super chalky. Ridley is hitting some cash builds. So I, I just love Jaguars double stacks. Uh, so those are my those are my two flag plans for week one. Yeah, I, I like ETN as a leverage play a lot, especially in tournaments. He's a tougher cash game play because we just don't know where the receptions lie. He makes him more touchdown dependent and he's a little pricey because week one pricing's now for six weeks. Um, but I do love ETN as a leverage play a lot. He's in my tournament right up uh, this week. So I do like that one. I like that call a lot too. JK Dobbins for the same reason in tournaments for Lamar leverage. You know, obviously it's just in the Texans. It's a, it's a great matchup. So I do like those guys as kind of leverage plays. I mean, it's just with pricing out so far in advance, there's just week one, always there's just too, too many plays, right? Like I just try to whittle this core down, uh, try to, try to hone it in. We'll see. I'm wait, we're seeing like on Ju Jerry Judy, right? Like is Jerry Judy going to play? He practiced uh, Wednesday, Thursday, but then he gave like an ominous quote of like, well, when I'm ready. So it kind of was just like, all right, well, if he doesn't play, then like Cortland Sutton gets like moved up into that mix too. Marvin Mims is min priced. Uh, on DraftKings and he's four seven on FanDuel. So like you have kind of like a weird dart there to throw. Um there's just a lot out there, man. It's just a lot out there with pricing. What's funny is this week for week one DFS, I was writing up some of these games and stuff and like a lot of guys I was out on season long have like really good week one like outlooks like ETN and uh, I know you were at him but like Alexander Madison like is anyone going to play Alexander Madison? He's a six point home favorite, like on one of the best offenses in the league. And like, I don't know he's, if he's really going to be able to get played. It uh, kind of depends on if people go with Mixon. I mean, right now I see Madison is like the fifth most projected owned running back, but, but it's pretty early. Like Moser is only projected at 7% and that's wrong. Like he'll, he's, his ownership oh, yeah. is going to come up. Moser's um, going to be in, in that high, in the highest game total. He's, there's no way he'll be double digit. He's not going to be the thing about this week though, is it's going to be flatter because there's so many plays. Like we won't have a 30% guy. I think Jamal Williams will probably be on DraftKings. will be like the the highest owned running back. But yeah. even he will probably be like twenty to twenty five percent. Yeah, it's it's uh it 
on week one, generally, you do see uh, ownerships be sort of they're they're pretty dispersed. You know, they don't yes. they don't they don't all condense on one guy. And generally, like the condensed chalk, like Jamal Williams being like super chalk, is like you probably don't probably not that interested in uh in that guy. I like I do like trying to do Eagles uh, doubles like. Eagles doubles look like they're going to be like pretty low owned. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. But we, so, can, I mean, yeah, we see them getting pushed. Uh, I like uh, Herbert or Tua, but getting one weird guy in that game, like playing like Durham Smythe or Quentin Johnston or something like that. I mean, obviously Johnston is going to run probably like 30% of the routes, though he could see a Kadarius Tony-esque uh, when Tony gets six touches on 19 snaps on Thursday night, like I could see that happening for Johnson. Actually, historically, if you look, rookies with like minimal playing time have actually made week one Millie Maker winning lineups a couple times. I always remember Tariq Cohen uh, in his rookie year. He played like 21 snaps, but he had 111 yards and two touchdowns. AJ like, Brown. Yes. Yeah. Great, great example. Um, so yeah, I remember AJ Brown had a hundred yards uh his first game and then kind of like didn't do it. Like they just like they just like didn't really play him still, like for like the next month. And I was like, hey, uh, do you remember when he had a hundred yards his first NFL game? Pretty sick. <laughs> so, uh, that guy's probably good. Yeah, but we should trade him though. We should trade him and make sure to uh what it's one of the funniest anecdotes in NFL history that AJ Brown gets traded. The owner comes to watch him play against AJ Brown. And then the guy who trades him gets fired the next day. Like just, uh, it's just beautiful stuff. Uh, all right, man, tell the people about the worksheet, sharp football and where they can find it and get it. Yeah. Sharp football week one games all written up. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. Week one, because like you said, we kind of get to move off of our priors, but uh yeah i'm just glad that football is back you can find all my work over there i'll be writing a weekly dfs column where it kind of like i walk through how i'm, how I'm playing the slate myself which is kind of new this year instead of me giving just like kind of like i used to do like a pricings versus uh rankings thing but i think just more people will care about how i'm playing right like and you know so i'm doing that this year which is pretty fun to write up for week one um but yeah if you're interested in anything over there you can actually go over use the promo code save 40 you can do 40 percent off anything week one i'm just happy football is back very happy to see football back. Everyone, make sure that you are reading the worksheet every week. Check out Reeves' stuff over at Sharp Football. And I will see all of you guys back here Sunday night with the Gilcast. See y'all then. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human, Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy.